When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. Now, a message from our sponsors of the podcast, Gebret, who are Europe's leading bathroom manufacturers and experts at helping you plan the perfect bathroom and well-being retreat. There's no doubt that the last 15 months have had a huge impact on our mental health. We spent more time than ever before in the confines of our homes and so the joy our four walls bring to us day in, day out has been more important than ever. More and more people have been inspired to decorate their homes, creating spaces that don't just look good, but most importantly, make us feel good too. And as we look forward to returning to some sort of normality, it's vital that we continue to make the time for ourselves to relax and unwind in spaces that make us feel happy. And the bathroom is the perfect place to do this. Whether you've got 10 minutes or an hour, the bathroom is my go-to tranquil retreat. And there are a few ways you can make your bathroom space feel somewhere you can decompress, relax and centre yourself. In terms of design, it's all about creating softness from tactile fluffy towels and rugs to feel-good textures like wood, stone and natural materials like cotton and linen and just dot a few plants around the space too as they add softness and texture to a space that otherwise can be all about the hard edges. For me, it's all about the lighting. So first of all, consider putting the lights on a dimmer switch so that when you come to relax in the bath, you can create a soft light ambience which is conducive to relaxation. And since I'm a new convert, I may even light a scented candle. (laughs) Get you! It's the small changes like this that can be a real game changer and play to delight our senses. Our series sponsor, Gebret, has a whole host of options to enhance the sensory experience in the bathroom, including products with built-in orientation lights that automatically come on, such as mirrors, cabinets, and even loos. And get this, the lights are available in a range of different colours, so you can find the hue that's perfect for you. The soft glow from the Geberit Monolith Sanitary Module guides users to the toilet at night without the need to turn the big light on, which is frankly always a bit stressful. You can find more sensory inspiration at geberit.co.uk. 
Now, we've got so much to get stuck into today, including a chat with the wonderful boys from 2LG Studio, Russell Whitehead and Jordan Cluro. We'll be talking colour, curves and cult TV show changing rooms. We'll also be zooming in close on wallpaper, pattern is back in, and what about wallpaper in bathrooms and kitchens? And I've got a brilliant tip on peelable wallpaper for renters. And finally, in our style surgery, we'll be looking at the art of zoning, how to create space in a small room which needs to be used for multiple different purposes. Now, diving straight in, Jordan and Russell are the geniuses behind 2LG Studio, a name which was apparently inspired by their postcode and which they decided must stand for Two Lovely Gays. Having moved from careers as actors, the two bring a real theatrical flair to design with really bold use of colour, which I love, paired with simple, elegant shapes for a really distinctive look. And as the perfect next step in their meteoric careers, they are hosting the return of cult 90s TV show, Changing Rooms. Welcome to the Great Indoors. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well. And I'm so super pleased to grab you for a chat for the podcast because, guys, it's what everybody's talking about right now, isn't it? (laughs) Well, thank you for having us. Well, we've known each other, haven't we, actually, for many years because I should also flag up that I first met you on a little little, uh, well-known TV show called The Great Interior Design Challenge. Was that back in 2013? Gosh, it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Was was it 2013? I I think it aired in 2014, but it was 2013 that it was filmed, filmed, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Series one, superstar <laughs> finalist. Pre, pre-pandemic. And now, yeah, here we are with you starring in Change Rooms. I just love it. And you know, you've been a bit busy in between the two telly shows. Yeah, it's been a lot, hasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got so much to get through, but um, first of all, I do I do want to talk about changing rooms because I'm already completely hooked. I have been looking forward to the return of the show ever since Channel Four claimed that they were. Obviously, it used to be on BBC. Channel Four have nabbed it, and it was so seminal that show for me as a probably teenager, I guess, growing up. Or I might be giving myself a bit too much justice that I was a bit older than a teenager. (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) was it, I think, 1996? 25 years ago. It just, I think, jolted everybody out of their little beige boxes and uh, got people inspired to decorate. And it was, I started my magazine career in 2000 for BBC Good Homes magazine, which was the magazine attached to said show. And I just witnessed firsthand how how the nation turned into decorators with quite quite a fever pitch. So it's lovely to sit back with your faces and the lineup. Oh. Was it a big deal for you as well? Yeah, we were huge mega fans of Changing Rooms because we sort of always say we were children of Changing Rooms. It was definitely a really important part of our sort of growing up, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a teenager watching it, it was the show that my brothers all wanted to watch Top Gear. And I knew that the reward was that they would have to sit through changing rooms. So there was that flip side. It's like, okay. And it was, it was one of those shows that I just absolutely loved. There was something very validating about it, wasn't there? Because, uh, you know, we were queer kids growing up, not quite knowing who we were. And mm. there were these flamboyant characters painting walls pink. And it was like, wow, uh, I'm allowed to do that. I think it was so, the first time I realised, oh my God, that you can be a designer. That's a job. Yeah. Like, yeah. brilliant. I'll do that. Like, yeah, it was uh, so fun. So fun. And and kind of, you know, Lawrence says this himself, but it was sort of like one of the original reality TV shows, you know, real people 
in their own homes sort of doing something crazy so yeah it it was sort of when we heard it was coming back we sort of said listen guys this is a train we have to be on this ship cannot <laughs> set sail without a 2LG contingent so yeah so what is it about changing rooms and I mean I'm talking like everybody will have watched it and I'm sure they have because it wasn't just big here in the UK it obviously went global as well so I'm hoping loads of our listeners know what we're talking about but ultimately as a recap you take two neighbours who are friends they swap keys for is it two days it sounds so wrong doesn't it swapping keys keys. (laughs) swap keys for a couple of days and they each get assigned a designer so in the new format it's Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen on one team and then you two on the other team and there is no communication they have you have to do a design as you would imagine the neighbour would like on the intel that the neighbour gives you we get a brief from their neighbour but it's very very brief I mean call it a brief is the right word i think they're sent a series of questions to answer but a lot of them are like one word so it's like you know what kind of music do they listen to not sure <laughs> what does their bedroom look like never been in it well some people some people were more sort of open to the creative brief than other people yeah. were so obviously some people don't know very much what they should give in a creative brief so some were full of information and some were very sparse <laughs> very sparse and it's unusual for you because you know we should flag that you are actually quite serious interior designers right yeah and you do this for a living and you go through a very very in-depth process with your clients to really unleash what they want but this Change Room's not so interested in that. Well, it's the opposite of our everyday life. Yeah, so how is that? How is that sort of letting go of that level of control that a designer has to do with the ultimate goal is that you you produce a home for someone that's absolutely perfect for them to this, which is, I think, you know, there's no two ways about it, more about entertainment and as a viewer, I'm not going to deny, I'm kind of hoping that they're going to hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you handle that, sort of the difference between the day job and the telly job? I think it's been really lovely for us, A, to kind of indulge ourselves a little bit and have fun and sort of go back to just being allowed to push all the way in a certain direction. Because, you know, working with clients is amazing and we're very, very collaborative with our clients. But it's quite nice that there are no restraints on this show. This is just kind of go there just go all the way there so that was very liberating and we had a lot of fun designing those rooms and and also our memory of changing rooms was that kind of element of certain things going wrong and certain people not liking things and because it's specifically for the person that lives there it doesn't matter if half of the people hate it and half the people love it because as long as that person loves it then you're kind of winning but you know that's not always the case (laughs) so you have to open yourself up to that and also you know like you said we we take our work very seriously we take design very seriously but we don't take ourselves that seriously we as you know we you know we like to have fun we like to shock and surprise and and do exciting things and sort of be at, at the forefront of that so this was an opportunity to really go there and we, we fully enjoyed that. And also TV's moved on. It wasn't about trying to upset people or do something for the sake of it being shocking or awful. You know, we still want to create something that we hope that they're going to really love at the end of, the, you know, by the reveal. So on, on that very thought, Jordan, wall of hair. <laughs> we stand by that wall of hair. Absolutely stand by it. It's so funny. I mean, obviously... That is, I mean, it divided the nation. Or as somebody said on Twitter, it's the one thing that united the nation. Yes. Yes. So again, we should just enlighten anybody who hasn't managed to watch this delicious show yet, that you did a sort of drag queen inspired bedroom uh, for this lovely lady in Swansea. What was it? 
Sachet Swansea was the yeah was the Swansea oh and uh, and you know I have to say beautiful room in your signature style that we know and love you for very bold on color this kind of joyful minimalism which is very much your brand big tick then the what you basically got loads of like hair extensions. And in true changing, I was so glad to see the staple gun out. I was yeah. like, yes, the staple gun out already. <laughs> staple gunning the hair pieces to a frame and trying to convince us all that that was wall art. It was a double-edged sword, the hair was. Part of it was indulging our own inner child of the, like the kind of a love letter moment to old changing rooms. And also because you had grown up with a girl's world. I love a girl's world, me. I could sit in French plait hair all day. <laughs> so when we thought, hey, why don't we just make a whole wall? All of them. I mean, again, <laughs> Twitter's been brilliant for this. Some of the comparisons to like we've skinned cousin it or uh, Roy Rare from um, Shit's Creek, Creek with the, the wall of wall of wigs. It was just a bit of lighthearted fun, do you know what I mean? But also, I think part of the brief was that she wanted a crazy artwork. She wanted something out there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved it. And when I saw the wall of hair, which I also want to say, which we'll get onto, totally trumped Lawrence's swinging love seat. <laughs> I was wondering if there was a bit of competition of like who can do the most shocking design detail between the two. Well, well, I mean, we you didn't know. Utterly, we didn't know what he was up to. So there was no. Yeah, you of... utterly won out. I mean, you know, this is the other thing. Lawrence has changed someone's front living room and put like a swinging love seat in it. I mean, you know, again. I was just so delighted that Change Rooms hasn't lost that sense of shock and fun. And, you know, is it really practical? No, probably not. Does it look fabulous? Hell yeah. You know, so I think, you know, it was really lovely to see that the show is holding true to basically what made it so entertaining all those 25 years ago. Well, I think I think as a base note, in every room that we design, we often will add an element that pushes it beyond the boundary or the comfort zone of the client. And, you know, sometimes you have to rein that in more in a professional capacity because it's the client's home and and in this instance some of those elements that may not have made it into our final projects on our website we sort of decided we're going to go there and we're Throw not going to we're going to we're going to put them in because we've you know wanted to do a hair wool for ages it's it's something that we feel is like the next extension from shagpile carpets it's like it's going further with texture than ever before and so we just yeah we allowed we allowed ourselves we gave ourselves permission to go there <laughs> you know what it's really nice to to hear you say sophie as well that it's um, an entertainment show because it absolutely is and that doesn't mean that we're not still rooted in great design and that that isn't something we champion and that, that we deliver on, but it has to be entertaining. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, obviously I've been in a fair few different design shows over the years and ultimately nobody wants to watch paint dry. It's not that exciting, no, but that absolutely. is ultimately what a lot of what we do is about, isn't it? Yeah. It takes a long time. It's methodical. It's not particularly exciting. But when the reveal of everything mm. coming together at the end, you know, that's the fun bit. And TV is the very condensed version of that isn't it with all the calamity jeopardy and drama that goes with it which brings me on to the jeopardy of course and you know we I think there's been lots of talk about Linda Barker's very famous teapot installation drama that happened back in the day where she created a suspended floating uh, shelving unit put the neighbours not you know the person she was working with the neighbours teapot collection I think they've been collecting it for like 20 years or something these teapots and overnight it fell from the ceiling and they all smashed I mean can you imagine the horror best telly moment Uh, ever hopefully we've created (laughs) one or two of those I was gonna say 
tell me we're going to see more teapot moments. There's a few paint pots that are, I'm sure were placed in the wrong position on purpose by a producer walking by, perhaps. You know, there's loads of fun like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what was really nice, and actually um, this is a kind of ongoing misconception, because of Instagram and because of the fact that we've positioned ourselves in a kind of minimalist approach to interiors, which is still full of colour and pattern, but it's kind of a minimal base. Uh, I think there's a misconception that it's about perfectionism. And one of the lovely things for us on the show is that we could kind of... Oh, I can hear, I can oh, hear someone no, no, snoring. Buckley's he's, just, he's desperate to get off my lap. <laughs> Buckley's oh, just is... like, please. Oh, I can hear Buckley having a little sneezy yeah. dream. He's like, this is oh, so lovely Buckley. and cosy right now. I'm just going <laughs> to... Sorry, sorry, Russell. I can't no, no, off. it was just, I think um, there's a misconception that sort of minimalism is about perfectionism. And it was really nice for us as much as anybody watching to kind of dispel the myth about the perfectionism and just mm. allow a few things to, you know, will it or won't it work and, and let ourselves try. And I think that was one of Changing Room's ultimate successes was aside from the entertainment and the drama and the disasters and some of the questionable design decisions, there was loads of take home. There was loads of like, oh, okay, well, look, they've just, they've, that's a really genius idea. I never thought I could tie my curtains back with mop heads. That's actually quite cool. Or, you know, whatever. It's, you know, it's lots of simple, easy ideas within it. And I quite, I did quite enjoy, I mean, I know your lovely clay lighting detail chains ended up breaking but it was a really nice idea and you could imagine you could do something similar absolutely yeah yeah the lighting so we tried the chain several times and we sort of did tests of all of the makes oh i love that that's like bake-off that's like practicing yes show stop we practiced yeah, yeah. them all at home oh i love that we practiced them all at home and it was they dried beautifully here but it was so hot in swansea they just melted they just essentially didn't dry in the oh. heat it was such a hot day but it's given us the opportunity to try loads of new things so like in episode two we've done some like jesmonite makes so we've there's a bit of an eco story we've used some amazing recycled plastic that was really local to where we filmed in cardiff um and it's things that we've wanted to try out and materials we've really wanted to work with so we've also tried to push them front and center as well yeah but i think we haven't positioned ourselves as kind of craft experts we've positioned ourselves as designers that was quite evident from the first episode that's that's the point of it isn't it it's like it fits the design very strongly but we certainly don't see our ourselves as experts in the crafting arena so we're having a go yeah, at the craft for sure. Definitely. <laughs> well, like everyone else in in the spirit of the show and I think it's lovely because you know you are very very serious established successful talented designers and businessmen and yet it is really refreshing to see you on this program having a go and I think that's the thing isn't it it's like a lot of uh, the block to people's creativity is out of fear fear of getting it wrong fear of being judged you know all those things and it's quite refreshing to see someone like yourself on there going well you know yeah I've got all this experience and technically I should know what I'm doing but I'm out of my comfort zone here with this dry air clay (laughs) but I'm having a go absolutely I'm sure there's loads of very serious designers who are like, you know, turning their nose up or having their toes curled at it. But you know what? It, it's fun. And I hope it's empowering. I hope it, you know, makes people think I'm not going to judge myself so harshly and I'm going to get into it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think it's really timely that Changing Rooms has come back right now, you know, in this mood of COVID and that we have all been spending more time indoors. And there has been this real connection to our homes and also wanting to find joy in our interiors. And I guess, you know, you as designers who bring a lot of joy in your projects, and I know that's a real part of your sort of mission statement, if you like, is creating joyful spaces, coupled with the fact that this is 
very high camp hilarity entertaining show. How important do you think interior design is to help people feel a bit better about the situation at the moment? I I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, like you say, more than ever right now, we're sort of all very focused on the spaces that we're living in because we're spending so much time in them. And and Mm. those spaces are more sort of strained because there's, you know, more requirements in terms of working from home now. And it's put the focus on the home interior massively. And it really can change the way that your your everyday lived experience feels if you are living in a space that is very you and makes you feel good. And that can just be as simple as, you know, putting some bold colour into I your life. I still say it's as simple as, as bold. Bold colour can have such a massive mm. positive impact on the way that you feel and the way that you interact with other people. And it's, you know, it sounds very serious, but it, it really does change, doesn't it? And it's, you know, every single room that we went into pretty much was a white room. And to see the change and, and the reactions from the homeowners, which is what it's about, really, isn't it? It's it's what we do for them and how it makes them feel. Oh, my God, it's just so amazing. It was definitely the best part of, of the show for me is seeing the reactions and how overwhelming that can be or, you know, good or bad, how, how big an impact that can have on someone. It's also quite interesting, though, isn't it? Because colour is still so much more challenging than we think. And probably when we're all talking to each other in the design industry, you just think, yes, colour's back, colour's coming back. And actually, people are still finding it really shocking and challenging. And so it's nice to kind of reconnect yeah. and work out, you know, wh- how, what makes people feel comfortable and and what works and what doesn't and that has been like a massive eye-opening experience yeah for sure and what's what's your biggest takeaway you know for anybody listening who's like well I'm looking at my grey walls or my beige curtains but I'm really not sure you know I can go full throttle changing rooms what can people do to instantly feel a bit more confident about colour or bring a bit more joy to their space well for me the first thing to do is look inwards because we get asked this all the time a lot of questions that people ask us is oh what colour should I paint my xyz and it's like I can't tell you what colour to paint your bedroom or your kitchen or your lounge you need to look to yourself and I think that is the hardest thing for people to do sometimes is to step away from trends and all of this stuff online on Instagram Pinterest all of these you know these amazing sources that we love and are a part of but to step back from that a little bit and go okay hang on a minute what do I like what do I love look in your wardrobe we always say to our clients what do you wear what's the thing that makes you feel great in your wardrobe that maybe you don't wear often but you think oh I love that whenever I wear that pink lipstick or that red suit or whatever it might be but also maybe start and introduce something, you know, like a, a, a favourite colour, introduce it slowly if it's going to make you feel more comfortable. But we're massive champions of the fact that if you love beige, then do the most incredible beige room you ever did see. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be 100 percent on your side. I love living with colour, but that doesn't mean that you have to. I think, you know, and we've done this on the show, we, we've tried to make sure that the rooms reflect the person as far as we possibly can, based obviously on the briefs that we were given the rather sparse the rather sparse briefs (laughs) and a bold clean statement for you might mean you want something really simple and clean and that's absolutely fine but really go there and really you know indulge yourself which isn't very 2lg but we do do deliver it on changing rooms well we do yes (laughs) well a new hold on 
shut the front door. You're going to do on. a neutral scheme on changing rooms. Oh, <laughs> we do. Yeah, we're doing yes. a neutral. You are. Lawrence will be turning in his grave. Zero colour, like none, nada. Well, not even accent, not, not even a pop. Not quite zero. Ah, you Not quite zero. <laughs> it's pretty zero for us, though. It's pretty, it's pretty zero for us. For us, it's pretty zero. Yeah. I mean, we did actually, even on the day, because we like to keep our design schemes fluid. So even whilst we were filming, we did add a little something because we were like, you know, we, we're all here for giving somebody neutral, but it might need a little something. something. <laughs> it's lacking something. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So changing rooms was absolutely game changing back in the day. I think it changed the way all of us think about design. It got the nation excited about interiors. So here it is rebooted. What do you think the next big thing in interiors is going to be? I mean, I'm hopeful it's going to be individualism. I think that move away from mass market, big whitewash trends, not as in whitewashing the colour, but as in like, you know, everyone's doing pineapples or everyone's doing flamingos or whatever it was. Hopefully that we'll see a bit of a return to individualism. What would you say, Russ? I'm I'm probably going to say a return to Mother Earth. I mean, maybe that's just me personally. I'm feeling like I'm very interested in natural colours from flowers to sky to earth and earth tones are really big for me at the moment. And yeah, just kind of going back to interesting materiality that is good for the planet. I just, that's kind of right at the forefront of my mind. Here, here. Yeah. So connecting design to the environment as well, not just on a sustainable level, but on an aesthetic and an emotional level too. Yeah. Very serious, Ooh, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm here for that. And interesting, Jordan, you're talking about individualism. I think that's where Changing Room started off, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, they had this band of designers who were all doing completely different things on the show. They all had different looks. And so maybe that's a that's we've got hijacked by trends and maybe we're coming back full circle. There was that whole campaign, wasn't there? Chuck out chuck out that chintz was that big campaign it's sort of like bring back that chintz yeah <laughs> let's, yes! let's put it back oh, in yeah. if you want it if you fancy it i'm bringing it back one palmet at a time i'm here for <laughs> loving the chintz oh boys it's been so lovely to catch up huge huge congratulations oh, and you. you know cannot wait to watch the rest of the series i am chuckling along all the way with you thank you thank so much you. for having us it's Good been too. brilliant so do look out for Change Rooms, everybody. It's back and it's on Channel 4. And you can find 2LG on Instagram. Well worth a follow if you're not already. Their handle is at 2LG Studio. And of course, I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and Kate is mad about the house. And don't forget to join our lovely Facebook group, The Great Indoors Podcast. I, for one, cannot wait to find out what you all think of the new series over on that page. Talking of the Facebook group, I noticed this on there from Poppy Osborne, who says, I rent a flat with white walls and white floorboards. I'm not allowed to change anything or add pictures. How do I add colour? Because it's looking a bit flat. Well, Poppy, I've got just the solution for you. So keep listening. Next up, we're going to be discussing all things wallpaper, because quite frankly, it has been having its moment now for quite a few years. This definitely isn't a new thing, but I think using wallpaper in our interior design schemes has been very much cemented. Wouldn't you say, Kate? 
It's interesting, isn't it? Pattern. I mean, we say it sort of every year. All pattern is back, but, you know, this time it really is. <laughs> you know, pattern in wallpaper. We've got much more into wallpapered ceilings. And I'm a really big fan of textured wallpaper. So that's, for those who don't know, the sort of Lincruster Anaglypta wallpaper, where it's just a plain sort of patterned wallpaper that you paint to match the room or in any colour you like, which is a, a more subtle way of doing pattern, but still gives you some texture and interest. Yeah, I think there's just so many options. There are printed wallpapers, block printed wallpapers, digital printed wallpapers, textured wallpapers, peelable wallpapers, murals. And I just thought, let's take a deep dive and discover all the different options. Before you get into all the, you know, nitty gritty of the different types of wallpaper, did you know that wallpaper originated in the 16th century when it was mostly used inside cupboards as a kind of hidden uh -huh. thing? I, I did know. not know that. And also that's suddenly really fashionable again, isn't it, is to jazz up yes. a, a sort of vintage cupboard. Oh, well, there I was thinking I was being all cool and edgy by wallpapering furniture and there they were doing it in the 18th century. Well, it might be edgy, it just isn't new. And then in the 18th century, wallpaper was so popular, they taxed it which I also think is really interesting. Apparently, the, the 18th century equivalent of, of HMRC came in and went, oh, this looks like a really good thing. We can make more money from it. So there was a wallpaper tax, <laughs> which I love. And talking of textured wallpapers, you know that flock is also having a bit of a moment, that sort of slightly patterned furry wallpaper, I suppose. And it was made out of powdered wool, which was a waste product from the wool industry. So, I mean, it's like sustainable wallpaper, even then, which I like. And apparently it was also original flock wallpaper was naturally moth repellent because of the glue they used. So maybe that we should look into that because I have seen the odd moth floating around <laughs> my house again. Get yourself some flock wallpaper. Get myself some flock wallpaper. To continue my potted history, obviously Chinese wallpaper was hugely popular. That's also having a resurgence, that sort of style of chinoiserie. We're seeing a lot of that at the moment. And finally, in 1839 was the first wallpaper printing machine when they could print nine metre rolls for the first time. So there you go, wallpaper in a history. You've just given it amazing historical context and I think, you know, that's why it's, oh, it's just such a much loved element of interior design. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed. I recently launched uh, my new online course, which is all about confident colour scheming. And I dedicated an entire presentation and chapter to the glories of wallpaper because I just think it's it's so wonderful. And obviously, for someone like me, it's all about the big, bold prints, you know, murals, overscaled florals. I'm loving Ben Pentreath's um, recolouring of some William Morris wallpapers. At the moment, they're so amazing. I mean, it's just the, it's just the the creativity that goes into wallpaper print I love and yet you've got as you said this whole other section of wallpapers which are the more subtle and textured wallpapers but they almost work for me as well as someone who loves colour you know like the the sort of seagrass wallpapers you can get Philip Jeffries does loads of them they almost like intensify the colour with the texture and then your lincrusters, which I know you, you've used a lot in your home, which are typically very Victorian, that have these sort of printed patterns in relief. And you, you can use a, 
a different paint finish on, even like a gloss or a satin wood, which again just sort of catches the light and makes the walls feel rich and tactile. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for Tom, my husband, I'd be literally wallpapering every surface in this house, including <laughs> the ceilings. Yeah. I love a wallpapered ceiling and I think that's a really good way if you are, how shall I put this, not quite as bold as Sophie in your decorating choices. Wallpapering a ceiling is a really good way to go because you can have the walls quite muted and then you can really go for it on the ceiling and you're not looking at it all the time. I mean, obviously, unless it's in a bedroom, but it gives you a kind of flash of colour when you come into the room and then you can sort of not ignore it because you love the pattern, but it's not perhaps dominating the space in the way that having it on all four walls might do. So I think that's quite a good tip for sort of nervous wallpaper. <laughs> for those of you nervous wallpaper. Well, I think that's the thing when it comes to selecting your pattern. There are so many different options. Obviously, you've got the big, bold statement wallpapers. You know, I've got the House of Hackney Artemis in my office. That's a super popular print, but it's very, very full on kind of chintz inspired uh, design. But then you've also got things that are a lot more subtle, like small printed wallpaper can also look super pretty. I've got a little, it's kind of like little tiny paint splats. And I like it because it's a non-geometric dot, if you like, in my downstairs loo. And that's gone on all four walls and the ceiling. And it just gives a lovely little bit of subtle texture. So I think you've got to think about the scale of your pattern as well. It's not always about making the big shouty gestures. Sometimes a small print or a subtle texture can be more in the background and maybe allows your artwork or other things in the room to shine. I think you need to also be very careful because, of course, it's the same you know, we talk when you buy paint that you must have testers in because you can't see the colours on a computer screen. And obviously the same applies for wallpaper. But wallpaper samples can be tricky because you tend to just get, you know, a bit that they've cut off the roll and sent you. And I once asked for a wallpaper sample because I wanted to see the flowers on it. And the bit they sent me had like two centimetres of flower down one side and the rest of it was plain. It was a completely pointless sample. So a lot of sites where you can buy wallpaper paper will allow you to either do a visualizer or they will have a picture of a table in front of a full wall of their wallpaper. And it's really important you study that because sometimes the very small patterns, which look lovely when you see them close up in a sample, just kind of blur into nothing when you're stepping away from them. Or you sometimes find that the big pattern might form itself into perhaps clumpy shapes that you didn't necessarily want. And so you you really need to see it, not just close up, but, you know, be able to step back. And sometimes a computer picture is the only way to do that. So you need a sample for a colour and the computer screen to see the scale against furniture. I think that can cause people anxiety, can't it? Imagining what that pattern would look like all the way around the room, because the fashion very much at the moment is to put the pattern on all four walls, isn't it? I mean, it used to be when patterns started becoming fashionable again, which was probably about 15, yeah, probably a good 15 years ago. I sort of think we were doing a lot of feature wall action in the noughties. And I think that was people dipping their toe back into bold wallpapers. But you don't see that so much anymore. People really have embraced the concept of pattern being something that you can completely envelope the room with. I mean, it is costly. So I think sometimes I think, oh, well, just to put it in the alcove or the wall above your bed or something is better than not having any wallpaper at all. Because a lot of these wallpapers 
you know, if you're getting up to nine, 10, 11, 12 rolls, it can start getting a bit eye-watering. Yeah. Or of course, think about putting it inside a panel. That can work really nicely. I've done that a few times, either a traditional panel all the way around the room, or you can even just create like one large panel. Again, this looks really good centered above a headboard or above a fireplace or indeed behind a sofa. And then you can get away with maybe just one roll of designer wallpaper. And this, I think, actually is a look that I'm seeing more and more. You know, sometimes if you if you want to see what the trends are, of course, when the trade shows were happening or you can read magazines and read newspaper reports and blogs and so on and so forth. But actually, one of the key ways to see what's going on in trends is if you do look at an interiors magazine and you look at the adverts, because the adverts for furniture or rugs or something will be styled by professional stylists. And you often get a hint there of what's fashionable. So you might be technically looking at an advert for a chair, but you might notice the colours of the paint behind it or or even the wallpaper styling. And I'm seeing a lot of wallpaper in panels at the moment. And we've had panelling as a fashion, sort of do-it-yourself panelling has been around. You know, it's a huge Instagram trend. Everybody's got a bit. You're sitting in a room with some. I'm sitting in a room with some. And it's like we're now going one step further. And it's do that panelling with just your MDF or bits of wood batons and then take it to the next step, which is fill in the gaps with wallpaper. And that's sort of fashionable and, as you say, much cheaper. And the other thing I'm seeing more and more now is this idea of murals, which I don't even begin to know how you hang those. But it's, as you say, that's a great headboard if you don't have a headboard on your bed. Yeah, I think the great thing about murals is because digital technology has improved so much, hasn't it? They used to be eye-wateringly expensive. And now, you know, you can get whole, you can get a bespoke mural made for your wall. That's what's usually so brilliant about them is you, you you give your wall dimensions and they get printed to fit the wall for like 250 quid. So I think for the amount of visual impact you get in a room compared to the cost, for me, I think that's great bang for your buck because you've got something one-off, something bespoke, something really wowy, and it can set off your whole scheme. And Honestly, the visual options are endless when it comes to murals. So you can get something that really, really suits you and suits your look. Can't see you doing a mural though, Kate. Would you be tempted to mural? I look at these murals of sort of, you know, fields and forests every now and then. And I quite like looking at them in photographs, but I don't know that I would do it because I feel I might get bored. And it's quite a commitment, you know, if you're having it printed. Having said that, your cheeky little downstairs Lou's got a bit of a mural thing going on, hasn't it? Yeah, that's sort of waterproof wallpaper. And again, this is what we've said before. Downstairs Lou's are great spaces to com go completely over the top because you're just not in there that long. So you can really be dramatic. Yeah. And quite often you tile below or panel below and then wallpaper above. And that's just a practical way because you want to keep the area around the Lou easy to clean. But you've got this very fancy waterproof, washable, downable wallpaper, haven't you? Yes, I have. And that, that's a kind of coral reef scene. And so the colours are very muted because it's sort of coral. But, you know, yes, it's on all four walls in a really tiny space. So it really brings drama. And, you know, one of the things I always say is if you're in hotels or restaurants, always go into their loos because they might well have used some really striking wallpaper that you might have been a bit scared to bring into your own house. But, you know, in a small dramatic space, you can really go over the top. I actually just wanted to make one point about using wallpaper in a mural type sense. And that, again, coming back to the headboard, 
that's one place where I think you can use it as a feature behind the bed and you don't necessarily have to do the whole room. And that sort of gives you drama when you come into the room, but also you've mostly got your back to it. So again, you can go quite over the top because you're not looking at it for quite a lot of the time. But if a mural isn't something you want to do because you don't necessarily want to be sleeping in front of the setting sun or, you know, a beach scene or whatever, then you can use an an ordinary wallpaper and just stick it on in a few panels and then get some architrave and make a frame around it. And that sort of acts like a headboard on the wall. And it doesn't have to be a mural. It could just be a pattern you love. But by making a sort of frame around it, it acts as a picture or as as a mural in its own way. And you can do that in a much cheaper way than having something printed bespoke. Mm. Um, Now, the one thing I have been sort of slightly looking into with wallpaper is the sustainability issue, because a lot of wallpapers will advertise themselves as water-based ink and low VOC, which is the volatile organic compounds. And the other thing you're seeing more and more is PVC-free. And Sometimes if you're looking at a wallpaper which is sold for kitchens and bathrooms, because that's technically slightly more waterproof, that might not be PVC free. So if you're looking for wallpaper and sustainability is one of your key requirements, then do look out for that. There are lots of sustainable wallpapers. So Firm Living sells one that's PVC free, Farrow and Ball, Misprint, Little Green. So there are lots of names to look out for and also check the wallpaper paste that you're using to stick it on the wall with. Well, bringing Poppy back into the conversation. So Poppy's question was, how can she add colour pattern into her white walled white floored rental flat where she's not even allowed to hang a picture and there's this product called decorators peel I only got to know about it because of my background as a photographic stylist and whenever we would have a wallpaper in for a shoot the decorators would prep the wall with decorators peel p double e l just a big tub of it and they get it from uh, decorators trade centers don't think it's something you can pick up at B&Q, but you could definitely probably get it online. Anyway, you just paint this product on the wall, let it dry, then hang your wallpaper as you would do normally with wallpaper paste. But what happens is when you want to take it down, you can just peel it off, which is obviously brilliant if you're doing a photo shoot and you don't want to be like steaming and scraping the wallpaper away, or indeed if you're renting. And then just to prep the wall, you know, if you were about to leave your rental or indeed you just wanted to switch your wallpaper, you'd peel it off and then just reprep the wall with a uh, a coat of emulsion paint so really quick and easy and I, does it really work yeah it really works it's super good and then i mean i know there are peelable wallpapers on the market but they don't seem to have really dropped here in the uk you can find lots of products in the states of sort of wallpapers that supposedly just stick up like a giant sticker and then you pull them off again. But I'm not really seeing them hit the mainstream here. So I think this peel product is a good option if you're a renter. I think that's really interesting because I think if you Google peelable wallpaper, nearly all the sites are American. It's clearly a big thing in the States. And obviously you can now buy it through sites like Etsy, but it's often being shipped from the States. And I'm sort of, I, I wonder why it hasn't taken off here, but because 
you know, we do have a lot of renters. It's an issue. And that's really interesting that finally there's a solution to it. Because the other thing, just to come back to my point, is that a lot of those peel and stick wallpapers have vinyl in them, which may not be an option, again, if you're shopping sustainably. Although there is a brand called Spoonflower, which does non-vinyl peel and stick wallpaper. So hopefully, Poppy, that's given you some options. Because I think at the end of the day, there's nothing that adds colour, pattern, joy and vibrancy to a scheme like a jazzy print so hopefully Poppy we can help you banish those boring white walls now for our star surgery and this week we've got a question from Janice in Northern Ireland hello my name is Janice Greer and I have a dilemma by three times we had a living room which has now been converted into my sewing room, my husband's home office. I'm now working from home and the whole area is just one big mishmash of two desks, another desk and all my sewing equipment. I would like the room to look like one functioning room and not a room that has three different rooms thrown into it. Thank you very much. I feel for you, Janice. I think there must be lots of people in the same situation as you. And one of the things that comes up a lot is zoning spaces. And I have to say that we quite often end up talking about zoning big spaces like kitchens with the dining end where someone wants to maybe have an armchair so they can have a cup of coffee. And I think a much more common problem is this notion of an average sized room, which suddenly has got to do a lot. So I really feel for you. And it's not an easy situation because you cannot change the flooring or put a screen up or put a sofa across the middle of the room to divide it that way. So you are really talking about the decoration. Janice has sent us some pictures and and basically the desks are pushed to the edges of the wall and then there's a bank of storage along one wall and a sofa on the fourth wall and then just a small amount of floor space in the middle. So in terms of jiggling the layout, there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's none. So I think you're basically down to decorative techniques and the room seems from the photographs to be quite dark. There's a lot of wooden cupboards. So I think my first suggestion would be to paint everything out, paint the cupboard paint the ceiling, paint what's left of the walls. And it doesn't have to be white, but pick a pale colour of your choice and kind of cover everything in it, which will help the cupboards to recede. It will make it lighter, give you some reflection from the window. And then because the ceiling is the same colour and the skirting boards and the door, that will kind of blur the edges. So I think that's the first key thing. And you can paint cupboards now. There's companies like Rust-Oleum, will do paint that covers any surface, little green, have a primer that covers everything. So, you know, don't worry that you might look at those cupboards and think they're not paintable because they will be. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think whenever you've got lots of visual clutter, it can make the walls come in on you. So lots of different cupboards, lots of different paintings, pictures, bookcases, open shelving, lots of things on display. There's just a lot for the eye to take in. And as a consequence, the room can start feeling a bit claustrophobic, which I think is what you're suffering from. It's just a feeling of overwhelm in a room where ultimately you want to work, you need to concentrate, you need to have clarity and focus. So yeah, decluttering the space visually by painting all things out in one colour is step one. 
And then I think step two is, I'm very conscious, Janice, that part of this area is your sewing area. And you have some lovely pictures above your sewing table of needlepoint framed pictures, which look super lovely. And you've also got some open storage where you're very well organised and you've got all your threads and, you know, all the bits and bobs you need for your sewing nicely organised. So I think in a way, I'm wondering whether this is an area that could just be celebrated a little better. And so if we are whiting out or blanking out the rest of the room with one colour, maybe just create one focal point in the room. And this could be the area above your sewing table. I think that's really good advice. And the other thing I would do is, if at all possible, really examine those three functions and see everything that's going on there. So you say you need to work in there and it's a sewing space. Now, again, I see from the pictures that there's a sort of, might be a small sofa, might be a big armchair. And while it's nice not to sit at a desk all the time, do you really need that in there or is that cluttering the space or could you have a smaller chair so that you can have a break from sitting at the desk? I think, you know, in a space that size with so much going on, every single thing has to earn its place. And clearly there's got to be a sewing table, there's got to be a desk, there's got to be the screens and the sewing machine that's associated with all that. And, you know, the other comfortable chair may have to go or maybe you could get rid of that on Gumtree or FreeCycle and swap it for a smaller one, which, which would, as I say, give you a break from the desk, but take up a bit less space. No, that's a really good point. That sofa is a bit of a beast, Janice. <laughs> Kate was being polite. It's big. (laughs) It's big. And I think this is another trap that a lot of people fall into in small spaces, having really big, chunky furniture. And actually furniture that's more streamlined, it's got thin arms, it's raised up on legs so you can see more of the floor space, can also help enhance the feeling of space in a room. And one other thing, I noticed there's a big map on the wall and you don't say what your job is and maybe that a map of the world is integral to that job. But If it's not, you know, big mirrors will bounce the light around and can reflect and make a space feel bigger. So that's another trick you could do is maybe just hang more mirrors, make sure the lighting is good and all those sort of tricks which will help create the illusion of space, even if, you know, annoyingly enough, the walls won't actually bend. (laughs) So really quite simple solutions. It's a pot of paint. It's a new colour scheme. And it's creating a strong focal point in just one area of the room and then letting the rest of the room breathe. Great advice, Sophie. I hope that's helped you, Janice. And if you'd like to make an appointment with our style surgery, just send an email and also a voice note if you can to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. That's it for today, but there will be more details and links and, of course, pictures over on our blogs, madaboutthehouse.com and sophierobinson.co.uk. And in the meantime, thanks to our sponsor, Geberit. Thanks to our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors.